1,623 in Keradigian. There have also been 11,232 tests carried out since the last report. Across Wales, 403,463 have received a first dose of COVID-19 vaccine, with 786 receiving the second dose. Dr Robin Howe, the incident director for the COVID-19 outbreak response, has said, We support the change in regulations from Saturday, which allows a person from one household to exercise outdoors with one person from another household. We are increasingly confident in the data, which is showing a consistent downward trend in the numbers of positive cases in Wales. However, the number of cases is still high and this is placing extreme pressure on our NHS Wales hospitals. The UK variant of coronavirus prevalent in many parts of Wales is up to 70% more transmissible and as reported last week, there is evidence which suggests that it may lead to a higher risk of death than the non-variant. This is a crucial time. We must ensure that we stick to the rules over the next few weeks so that the number of cases continues to reduce and that hospitals can start to recover whilst the vaccination programme is underway to protect the most vulnerable in our communities. It is important to remember that all current variants of coronavirus are still spreading and can cause severe illness and death. Therefore, it is important to stay at home and to reduce opportunities for spread by keeping your distance, washing your hands and covering your face. Rescue teams were called out to Freshwater East on Friday evening following reports of a person climbing on rocks in the falling light and with the tide coming in. Tembe's RNLI all-weather lifeboat, the Hayden Miller, launched shortly after 5.30pm on January 29th. A concerned member of the public contacted Milford Haven Coast Guard HQ after they saw someone climbing rocks near Freshwater East with the light diminishing and the tide incoming. The lifeboat was quickly on the water and the volunteer crew made best speed to the area. The casualty was quickly found near the top of the cliff using the searchlights on the lifeboat. The lifeboat informed Coast Guards that the casualty was climbing back up to the cliffs and heading to the coast path. The lifeboat was stood down and returned to the station at 6.10pm. A spokesperson for St Govan's Coast Guard rescue team said we would like to thank the person who called the Coast Guard. They definitely did the right thing and if you see someone on the coast and have concerns for them, please dial 999 and ask for the Coast Guard. I'm Charlie James and you're up to date on Pure West Radio. This is Pure West Radio. Across Pembrokeshire, 24 hours a day. Well, a very good evening. It is Pure West Sport with G&G Builders on a Monday evening. Excellent to have your company. We are live right now on the Pure West Radio Facebook page. It's transfer deadline day tonight. Uh, we did have a late offer for Bill Khan. He was linked with a move to China. We rejected it. He's still here. Evening, Bill. How are you? Fine. You won't get rid of me that easily. Certainly not the China. We've got a few theories in our family, but they're too political to discuss. <laughs> uh, no big money move for Gordon Thomas either. Hi, Gordon. How are you? Yeah, I'm just sitting in the hot seat here, uh, biding my time for the right transfer fee, Ben. 
Was Fraser Watson spotted in Ammonford today? Fraser? Well, no, I have made one big move this week, though. I've joined the the Milford Haven team for that club challenge to, uh, to raise money for Ronald McDonald House. So that's it. that's my latest allegiance. But on that note, um, you know, we spoke about this last week. Dan and I own our home as well, so we think we all agree. Great to see them back. And the money <laughs> being raised so far is fantastic. And I'm sure it'll be great as long as my Milford team wins. We've got a busy show coming up this evening mm. in this hour. Dominic Day is going to be joining us. Any questions for Dom, you can leave those on the Facebook page. Hashtag Pure West Sport as well. He played for the Scarlets, Bath, Saracens and at a stint in Japan and Australia. Only three caps for Wales. And we'll be talking to Dom all about that and maybe a look ahead to the Six Nations as well when he joins us just after quarter past eight. Uh, let's continue the theme though from the first hour. And you heard our interview uh, with Aussie cricketer David Lovell. Bill Khan described him as the best batsman he's seen play in Pembrokeshire. We we did the interview uh, yesterday. It was obviously recorded because of the, the time difference linking up with uh, with David in Australia. But it was an absolute experience talking to him, Bill. And it, it, what was it like catching up with him? And, and for the three of you who would remember his time in Pembrokeshire, had he changed? Yes, I thought he'd mellowed a bit. He was never a sort of a an openly aggressive guy. I was amazed. I, we were talking before we came on air, and I, I didn't recognise him at first. He's lost so much weight. He's so chiselled now, and he's got glasses. But, yeah, Dave is Dave, you know, and he's always very honest. I like that. Mm. What he's got to say, he says with all honesty. And, you know, I know Fraser's the same. You enjoy that phrase, so just go on. He, he was a very interesting guy to talk to. We could have carried on talking for another hour, couldn't we? Gordon, how good was he? Um, because we, we talked about his stats and about his numbers and his batting averages in Pembrokeshire were, were just phenomenal. How, how good do you think he was? Did, do you agree with Bill that he's one of the best we've had in the county? Oh, yeah, there's no question about that. David Lovell was a true star. Uh, obviously, playing for Western Australia as a, a young under-19s player, he showed great potential. And then he came over and, as he said in the interview, he played at Yorkshire and he still holds many records there. So that's tells you the type of player he was but in Pembrokeshire he was a phenomenal batsman and bowler as well and he, he led uh, Lamphy to uh, a few league titles and played in three Harrison Arnold finals which they won two of them so yeah he, he was some player yeah fair play he was too good God wasn't he yeah yeah he was too good well, for the rest well let's let's Explore that a bit because I thought he made some interesting points about about the future and the fact that we don't have overseas cricketers in Pembrokeshire now. Is it fair to say, Fraser, that's because of David Lovell? I'd say almost indirectly, Ben. Yes, yeah. I think um, what happened to Dave Lovell was a bit of a nonsense. I think we won't go into the gory details of it now, but he, he came to Lamphy along with a, a lot of other overseas stars. Lamphy had this sudden elevation. It put the cat amongst the pigeons. It upset the normal hierarchy and they started winning trophies. You know, and, and they did it. They had some star names there. People like um, Brendan Nash, Tyron Greenway, Dave Lovell himself, Vasper Drakes, guys who went on to play international cricket or in the case of Nash, you know, test cricket for the West Indies mm. as well. Uh, and then Dave got himself um, tied up in this disciplinary matter, which wasn't unlike him, but the directive they put on and, and the decision they came to was just a nonsense. It was so draconian and it wouldn't have been put on any other player in any other team. I firmly believe that. And, and then quite swiftly after that came to a bit of an unsavoury end, then the concept of overseas players was banned. And, and I think it's such a shame because I think we lose out on so much. You know, those guys who came over, and you could understand some resentment because we don't want to see teams dominating. Uh, and a suddenly very ordinary Lamphy side were then elevated and beating everyone. And But, you know, those guys, the names I've just mentioned there, they raised the standard of Pembrokeshire cricket. You know, they picked up the teammates around them and 
the guys playing against them raise their standards as well. And you talk to anyone who was around in that era and they'll remember those names. And and happened in coaching as well. Dave would coach Pembrokeshire youngsters, county youngsters. We at San Rio, we were lucky enough to you know, be coached by him in a couple of sessions and he was fantastic, you know, and he, he took mm. his knowledge. He, he had a pretty unique style of putting, putting his words across, but, you know, he took his knowledge, he imposed it on youngsters and he improved players, you know. So and are, um, are we missing a trick then? Um, I think absolutely. I, I think absolutely. That's my personal opinion. I think we would need to regulate it if it was ever going to happen again. I don't think you, you want a situation where you've got four, five, six overseas players playing and, and youngsters at clubs not getting a game. But, there would be so many benefits to just embracing mm. it. If you had to put certain conditions on it that they helped out with coaching or never asked the Pembroke, so be it, you know. But it, it, it's not just about the quality they bring. It's about the opportunities they open up the other way. You know, we've we just seen that, and we had a conversation with James Skeels a couple of weeks ago on this show. You know, the chance for Pembroke youngsters to go away, improve, mm. and then bring their improvement back into the county. Now, now obviously it's a difficult time anyway because of the, the COVID regulations, but it, it also strikes me as a, a, a maybe a time to have the discussion again. Bill, what's your thoughts on that? Because, you know, Dave Lovell is an example because we've just spoken to him, but Fraser's mentioned a few other names there. I, I love the fact I, I never saw him play in the county. I'd love to have seen Vasper Drake's bowling because he, he's he's a quick bowler and, and to see someone like him bowling in Pembroke would, would be fantastic. Is it time to revisit this? Well, Fraser's partly right about the, the representation. I mean, Vasbert Drakes and uh, Tyrone Greenaway played for the West Indies. I think Fraser, with all due respect, Fraser simplifies it too much. There's the thing about the, the, the coaching. David Lovell was a brilliant coach, as Henderson Springer was with Hanford West. But none of the other players who were brought in at Lamphy did any coaching. I mean, the classic case was Brett George Johnson, who was a really in-your-face in Australian, who played there, he'd come over, married someone in uh, Aldershot, I think, I might be wrong, Swindon. Married a girl in Swindon and travelled down every weekend to play for Lamphy and travelled straight back home. And that, to me, is not beneficial for Pembrokeshire cricket. It's too easy to say, oh, they'll come and they'll raise the profile and things. The county club had to make a decision, which I thought was over the top. I totally agree with Fraser. His punishment was draconian. I cringed. I just stopped being a member of the county club at that time. Look what happened. It went to the High Court, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they had some other people there who were very interesting. But they did things, they, 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 Lamphy did things the wrong way. I've spoken to people from the club today who say it was totally over the top. I mean, they, you know, they had, the idea was they had one per club phrase. And they more often than not had two because they said they were working for a company who was attached with Lamphy. And in the end, they didn't, they, they were there to play cricket to win trophies for Lamphy. That, that was it. And if you look at them, they did crazy things like one game in the Welsh Cup against Pembroke. They had uh, Dave Lovell playing brilliantly and Brendan Nash. They brought in, just because he was overseeing, they have a fellow called Joe Piramali, and they scored 280 for naught against Pembroke. But you can regulate that, though, can't you? You can, you can regulate it to one overseas player per well, team. Well, it was, it was one overseas then. But they, the, the problem was it was said one professional player. And Lamphy mm. would say, no, they're not being paid to play cricket. They're being paid to work for a company. And in mm. the end, they sometimes had two and occasionally had three. And it brought, in a way, Pembroke cricket into a... a a, a violent time in some ways. The games were packed with nastiness, with intensity, totally over the top. And part of that was the other club's envy. I, I agree with uh, Fraser with that. But but if it comes back in, interestingly, I'm talking too much, but interestingly, one Lamphy ex-player said to me today, 
that he felt it was over the top. What he would like to see is being brought back in, but with only players who are under 21, who are coming to do some coaching here well, as well, who have never played top-class cricket. Gordon, let's, let's, bring, let's bring Gordon in on that, because I think that's, that, that is a, a way you could work it, couldn't you? you? You could put an age limit on if you wanted to. What's your thoughts, Gordon? Yeah, it is a difficult one. I, I understand both sides of the coin, but I, I feel that... Um, Anybody from abroad should be allowed to play in the Pembroke County Cricket Club. I mean, we've had doctors over here who have actually played for clubs. Um, So it's just a matter of managing it. Um, The Lamphy one is only once in the history of the Pembroke County Cricket Club where they actually exploited uh, uh, what what was going on, really. They did take advantage of it. and, And a lot of clubs around the county were really jealous of what was going on. I don't think hopefully that wouldn't happen again. Uh, I, I would, if if you're going to sort of um, keep it under wraps, I think that you should have props under 21s, and as Bill said, they should uh, come over and coach as well to try and sort mm. of put something back into the game over here. So, mm. yeah, it is a difficult one, but I, I still think that they should open it up to overseas players. My personal opinion is yes, they should do. Yeah, but come on, come back in, Bill. I promise I'll shut up then. But I, I totally agree with Gordon. They shouldn't, they shouldn't stop players from away. I mean, there was a fella called Neil Warren, who was a South African, went to a chip shop in Tenby, bumped into a girl. She said, you play cricket, you're Australian. My village plays. And he, and he played. Neil Warren played there. Whitland have had boys who've come from abroad. St. Ishmael's have had two Australians who played. Yeah. One of whom married one of the... The secretary's daughters. I, I don't, I'm not against that, God. It's just no. you've got to get right. And how many clubs can afford to pay? Fraser's club couldn't afford to play, but it's Stackpool, where I played, couldn't afford it. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's going yeah. to create an elite. It's the payment it's, aspect, Bill, more than anything, isn't it? It's the payment aspect. Fraser. That shouldn't be happening. Mm. I, I, no, I wouldn't say it has to be about paying. We did actually have one uh, back in 1999, I believe. It was Alistair Bloom, tremendous player. Um, and he came and, and, and we managed to negotiate it. We, we sorted him a job in the local place. There was accommodation within the place he was working. And we managed to get around it that way. And we, we involved him in other aspects other than playing in the club. Um, I do agree that there should be some kind of precedent where they put something back into Pembrokeshire cricket. I'm not sure yeah. about having them under 20, yeah. 21 or under, to be honest. I think that contradicts that. I think the more experience they have, you know, the, the mm. higher levels they played at, the better in terms of the coaching. But I think yeah. what interested me, and, you know, it, it is a good debate and there's a few sides to it. I did put this out on Twitter yesterday just to gauge some of the reaction. And, and yeah. you listen to the views of the people. Now, we've got, we've got Hugh Gibbs, who I think played for Lampy through the year we are just talking about, did he? And, and he said, I dare say Lampy pushed the rules back in the day, but a lot of people didn't like it. But it got people talking about the game and, and got interest in it. And... You had Julian Arthur saying, totally agree, we need to lift this ban. Tim Hicks, yes, it's mm. narrow-minded, times have changed. We're losing our best players, we need to encourage them to stay with more challenges yeah. to face. Andrew Williams says similar again, you know. So I do I do think the overall perception is we would welcome them back. I agree they need to be regulated, but I'm just sad of what I think we're possibly potentially missing out on here. Well, I was going to come to that because effectively we are missing the chance in Pembrokeshire of seeing another Dave Lovell or seeing another Henderson Springer or another Vasbert Drakes. We, we're missing mm. that opportunity, Bill, and and Gordon as well. And I think that's a shame if we if if we don't change that and we give oh, we yeah. give we give another audience the chance to see some of these excellent overseas players. And Howell Gibbs, the, and that, sorry, Howell Gibbs was another who benefited. He went over and played in Dave mm, Lovell's great. camp yeah. uh, in Australia. Yeah. I, I'm not against. I'm not against having people coming in. 
Mm. All I'm saying is it must be very carefully regulated mm. so that yeah. we don't create an elite of clubs. It's it's easy for people to say, let's bring them in. Some of those people you mentioned there might have been, I'm not saying they would have been the first to grumble if their their club didn't have one and the mm. others do. It's just got to be carefully thought out. I, I, I'm totally in favour of people coming into play uh, as long as they're not... Pr- been been playing before that for the yeah. county side or something. I just and, think, and I just thought they'll come back sometime. Yeah, yeah. now's yeah. an opportunity though. There's there's no cricket going on. You know, COVID regulations mean that travel's difficult anyway. Now's maybe the time to have some of these conversations and actually mm-hmm. say, what do we want the future of, of the game to look like in the county? And I think we'll probably return to this subject yeah. um, a- again because it was really good to, to catch up with Dave Lovell. Time is cracking on. It's 17 minutes past eight. Uh, we are going to take a moment and then we will be joined uh, by former Scarlets and, and Wales player Dom Day. Looking forward to talking to him. He is with us on the show next, right here on Pure West Sport. <laughs> Witness the evil power of Bedhead. No! My hair! Won't anyone help me? Stop right there, Bedhead! Your reign of hair-meddling terror is over! Freestyle, my old nemesis. You can't stop me, boyo! Guess again! Eat laser! No! I'll get you next time, Freestyle! Oh, thank you! No problem! When it comes to Bedhead, you just gotta freestyle! For wicked trims, call Freestyle Barbers, Portfield Haverford West on 07827445589. Patch is the Pure West Radio chosen charity of the year. Pembrokeshire Action to Combat Hardship, founded in June 2008. They cover the whole of Pembrokeshire and have two basic banks that give food, clothing, small household items, toiletries, cleaning products and a baby bank that's in Milford Haven and Pembroke Dock. And three food banks, Haverford West, Begelly and Tenby. They also help the lives of families in the festive season with their Christmas toy appeal. Last year, Patch gave toys to over 950 children. Listen every Wednesday at 5.40 to the Patch Update to find out the latest news with our chosen charity of the year here on Pure West Radio. This is Pure West Radio for Pembrokeshire from Pembrokeshire.
Well, it's Monday evening and you are with Pure West Radio. I'm Ben Stone, Pure West Sport with G&G Builders. Excellent start to the show, talking cricket after we had Dave Lovell on the, the first part of the show. Let us know your views on that. Is it time to relax that ban on overseas players playing the Pembrokeshire League? We'll get to some of your comments before nine o'clock. Uh, but we have got tonight's guest with us right now. And if you're watching on the Facebook page, you'll be able to see us and you can get involved as well. Uh, Bill, it's someone that you and I used to speak to quite a lot back in the day on our show. Yeah, another Lamphy boy, all these freshwater East, really. He's a bit posher than Lamphy. Yeah, yeah, Dominic Day, one of our favourite customers we always had coming on. Don, it's lovely you've come on again, mate, and you're looking really smart and very intelligent there. <laughs> How you doing, Dom? Thanks, mate. Yeah, good, thanks. But a c- couple of things. I am a Lamphy boy. I'm not freshwater East. And, uh, and, and I didn't know you had Dave Lovell on. I used to love Dave Lovell. He used to coach me when I was a kid. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah, Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Did you play a bit of cricket then, Dom? Yeah, just just like Lamphy uh, youth teams. Uh, but uh, Dave Lovell and Basbert Drakes used to, uh, used to coach me when I was a kid. Excellent. So we were. You just uh, proved my point, yeah, Dom. Yeah, we we, we <laughs> you, you'd be a, surely you'd be. Would you be a fast bowler? Oh, I, do, I was. I was a bit of nothing. I was out on the boundary most of the time. <laughs> Slogger. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah. Um, Dom, it's really good to see you and it's great that you, you've come on the show and, and there'll be people watching right now who remember you playing for, for the Scarlets and we, we were just talking before you came on um, that you played in quite a significant game in the Scarlets history which was the final game at Stradley Park. Gordon, I think, was there. Were you there, Fraser, as well? Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. As, as well. Oh, yeah. Um, what was that like? And just go back to your early career with the Scarlets because you, you became a real favourite of the club, I think. <laughs> I don't know if I was a favourite, but... Uh... Um, yeah, no, it was brilliant. Like, I love my time at Scarlet's. Um, it just seems like so long ago now. Um, and yeah, like you said, I, I managed to, like, I, I managed, like, I think I really started breaking into the team maybe a couple of weeks before that last game at Stradley Park. So that, that was, um, that was just a big surprise for me personally. But, um, yeah, uh, I, I was telling you just now, but, I actually should have had the last try at Stradley Park, but it was a TMO decision. They disallowed it, so um, never mind. But uh, yeah, like God, like I mean, to, to think like a few weeks before I managed to break into the team, like I was, I was probably on the verge of of not being a rugby player. Um, like I think I made my debut for Scarlets maybe a year before, uh, and I lasted till half time, and then Phil Davis. Phil Davis took me off at half time and I didn't play again for a year. <laughs> and then uh and then uh he left and the coaches gave me another go. Um Muggo, Muggleton. John Muggleton? Yes. Uh, yeah, Australian coach. Yeah. Uh he 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 gave me a, he gave me a go and then it was uh, it was t- I guess that was that was he, if he didn't give me that chance at Scarlet's so I think uh, n- none of the rest would have happened. You formed a good partnership with Lou Reed as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, Lou. I still talk to Lou like all the time. Uh, I, he's a character, eh? And uh, yeah, we were both pretty young at the time, and like the game was a lot different back then as well. It was like, I mean, you were like you could like rock. Uh, you know, like we were playing against like it was myself and Lou playing against people like Paul O'Connell, uh, like all, all these like seasoned internationals, like big tough blokes. So it was it was. Um, it was, it was kind of a baptism of fire. I think that first season, especially, but um, kind of set us set us in a, in a good way for the rest of our careers. Fraser, yeah, Dom. I, 
talk, you talked about your club career. I want to ask you on your international career, actually, because I, I always found, and I wrote this actually before, that I thought it quite strange your international career. I thought you were overlooked for much of your prime, which I found strange. I thought you should have been given an opportunity. And then when we almost all thought it was too late for Tom Don Day and, and international rugby was going to pass him by, just before the 2015 World Cup, you, you had this call, you know, see, seemingly out of nowhere. And I think it was the, the warm-up game in his island, correct me if I'm wrong, when you made your debut, mm. went on to play in the actual World Cup itself against Uruguay and a couple of other group games. How do you reflect on it now? Did you, you know, I'm sure you're grateful for the opportunity to, to have played for Wales. Everybody is. But did you find it strange how it worked out? Do you feel you could have had more caps? Yeah. Like, I, I think when I was at Scarlet's, um, I got massively complacent as a player. There wasn't much competition. Um, like I knew that I was going to be playing that week in, week out, and then and then Rob McBride came in as coach. Um, and at the time, I, I think he, he didn't really he didn't really rate me as a player, um, which which is fine. Like it is what it is. But um, like I, I don't, there was a couple of times there where I thought that like my first season there was like a tour to America. My first season where I broke through and. The Scarlet's coaches were like, oh, you know, you should be going on this tour. This is something you should be targeting. And it didn't happen. And I wasn't, like, disappointed because it was something I, I never really thought would happen. But, like, it always just, like, passed me by. I trained with them a couple of times. I got called up to train, but that was about it. And then I was just like, I, like, I need I need to change up here. I need something to change, like, either, either like, a kick up the arse or, like, a change of clubs and... When Bath came in for me, um, I was just like, I was like, I'll just go for it. Like, I thought the English leagues, like a big tough league, something that would really challenge me. Um, I'm like really renowned for like the forward play and like the week in, week out, like really, really tough rugby. And um, I, I went over and I just like loved it, like really loved it. It really did give me that kick up the ass that I needed. Um, started started playing like week in week out. Gary Gold uh, was was coach and and we got on really well. And like I think I think I just like start like I start I was became a lot more of a physical player. I just really stuck to like to what I thought I did best. Like I was I was never a flashy player. Like I I wasn't running in tries from like halfway or. <laughs> or, or any of that stuff but like in terms of like defence and like lying out and and um, rucking and mauling and scrummaging like all the basic stuff like I thought I did really well and it was actually like Rob McBride like pulled me in and he was like you know I think I think like you just improved massively as a player and then Warren Gatlin called um, Paul James uh, mm-hmm. and, and he was he said to him just before the World Cup, uh, before they announced the squad, he's like, oh, do you think Dom would be keen in, in coming on the training camps? And I was like, why is he asking if, you, if I'd be keen to, to go on the World Cup training camp? I was like, God, yeah, I'd be keen. Um, what was that training I, camp like, Dom? Because I, I, you read all sorts about those those Gatland pre-World Cup training camps. C- can you tell us what that was like? Yeah, like, it was, like, brutal. Like, it was, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, and... Like, I, I was struggling a bit because we played the Premiership final uh, for Bath that the season before, before, and it was literally the last play of the game. Um, I was I was carrying the ball, and uh, we were playing against Saracens actually. And uh, Jack Berger, uh, the Namibian back rower, like real physical player, 
that he came across and like whacked me so hard. And I actually tore the labor on my shoulder. But I didn't tell anyone because I was like, I was like, I'm like, I'm not giving up on this chance to like to go and play for Wales. So I went, I went through like, well, I went through that whole training camp, um, like my first cup, the World Cup, like, and all with like a torn labour in my shoulder. So like, my shoulder was killing me all the time, and like, uh, but I was just like, this is something that like I, like I don't, I don't regret at all, like, but. I think the knock-on effect after that was, like, I was, since, from that point on, like, I just started picking up injuries, and, and even though, like, I went on to do some, like, really great stuff, like, I went to Japan, uh, played super rugby, back to Saracens, and we won, like, two champions, so one Champions Cup and two premierships. Um, like, from that point on, really, where Jack Berger whacked me in the shoulder, I was always, like, I was always, like, picking up injuries, um, but like I was 30 then, I was like, it was quite late in my career. So I guess I, I'd done well to get to that point without picking up any major injuries. Yeah, indeed. Gordon. Um, you're saying there, Dom, that basically you were a late developer. I don't know whether that's how you interpret it, but obviously your, your game got a lot better as you, you got older. I just want, you went to that World Cup. What was it like to step out onto that ground and actually win mm. your you know, your first cap for Wales. What what was that feeling like for you? Because it's been a hard, hard... You had hard yards to get there. You did well at under-19s. I know you had your cap and 20s, 21s caps. And then you had that 10-year well, spell playing first-class rugby and no international recognition. But then when you finally did it, what was that mm. like for you? Yeah, I guess it was a whole mix of emotions, to be honest. But I just remember, uh, like, we, I remember we were kicking off and uh, I was like, just blow the whistle, like, <laughs> blow the whistle, kick off, and let me get my cap. And I just remember, like, running after the kickoff and being like, oh, God, I've done it. Like, I've done it. I've yeah. got my cap. Yeah. Um, but um, it, was, it, was, it was, like, after the game, it was kind of mixed feelings because we didn't play well. Uh, like, we lost, like, I think it was, like, 30-14 or, or something like that. But um, we got a bit, of, a bit of slack in the in the press after it um, about not being prepared for the World Cup and stuff like that. But um, we definitely weren't prepared because uh, I remember the, the training camps were just like, it was just like fitness, fitness, mm. like lifting weights, lifting weights. Um, but I think that was the whole structure of, of what of what um, what Warren Garton was trying to do just in terms of like using those games to like get the structures together. Because um, actually, we actually went away. I didn't play, play in the second game, but they went away the week after and beat Ireland away. But um, yeah, to go back to the original question, like it was like obviously like amazing. Um, but I always remember I spoke to uh, Rob McCusker, um, who when he after he got his first cup, I think he got a couple of cups. But I like I said to him, uh, I was like, oh, like. That's a, that's a monkey off the back, uh, like getting your, getting your Wales cap. Yeah, um, yeah. And he was like, the, well, your first cap is, isn't the monkey off your back, it's getting the second cap <laughs> under your belt that's, 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 that's doing the job. Because, like, no, well, I mean, obviously getting a cap's amazing, but you, you don't want to be uh, the kind of one cap wonder uh, the rest for, for the rest of your life. And uh, I was lucky enough to get three and then I, I, knew I had the opportunity to go back to Wales and... and um, maybe get more cups but I, I chose to uh to sort of go away and, and go abroad 
Bill? Yeah, yeah, that leads me to my question, Tom. Yeah. I remember you telling me before when we had a chat and I wrote something about that massive culture shock, the change of going abroad. You know, you played in Japan and you played in Australia. What was that like for you? Yeah, like, it was amazing. Um, like, Japan like Japan was unbelievable. It was, like, I loved living there. It was, it was just such... Different Such to Lamphy, I'd imagine. A <laughs> little bit different to Lamphy, yeah. Well, so so I remember when I moved to Bath, I was like, like I'd never been, I'd never lived outside of Wales. So I moved to Bath, and I was like, wow, this is uh this is a big city. <laughs> <laughs> like you can walk, you can walk the whole length of it in fifteen minutes. Uh, and I, and uh, I was, I was, I was a bit, I was. And I was a bit out of my depth just because I obviously I'd lived in lived in West Wales my whole life, uh, and I went to went to Bath, and then um, and then when when I went to like Japan, like I was living in a city called Nagoya. It's it's like an industrial city, uh, and it was like mad, like just mad, but like really amazing. Um, and then Melbourne was just like another level again, like just a beautiful city, um, but like again, I. I guess you, you when you go away, especially as a foreigner, like they sign you like expecting something of you. Um, and I was like, by that point, I was starting to pick up injuries and, and uh, probably wasn't putting my best foot forward. So I'll always be disappointed about that. Uh, the fact that like those clubs didn't really get the best of what I think I am. But uh, like I, I would, wouldn't change it like for the world as, mm. as to what I managed to do. Mm. Uh, we, we should talk about where you are now because obviously retirement isn't an easy thing for a professional sportsman how, how has it been for you and, and tell us about your, your new venture people will see if they're watching on the Facebook page uh, your hoodie which is uh, 4.5CBD so, so tell us how that came about and, and what you're doing with your time now Dom yeah so um, like I, I, you know, I, I always knew that I was going to have to prepare for like post rugby and I, I think now it's a must it's it's especially important subject now with, you know, like COVID and, and how fickle like sport is and contracts and stuff and, and players getting cut and clubs struggling, um, you know, players need to prepare. And I thought I was prepared um, and I definitely still wasn't prepared enough. And the fact that probably 90% of players are not, not, not even where I was when I retired is quite a scary thought, but um yeah, so George Cruz and I, we started four or five. Um, we, so we, we had like, great experiences with CBD. Uh, like I said, with, with all the injuries I had, kind of just looking for extra um, kind of natural products to, to help me recover because I've probably spent a whole, whole 14, 15 years kind of taking prescription medicines that I didn't really want to take any longer. So... Uh, just looking at natural alternatives and CBD like was just pretty amazing for me in terms of like helping me recover. Um, and yeah, we started four or five, uh, well, just over two years ago now. And like since then, we've we've launched into Boots, uh, Boots Pharmacies. Uh, we're talking to other pharmacies um, and we've launched uh, a range of vitamins. Like we, we, we want to be, we're, we're aiming to become like a wellness company and yeah, it's going from strength to strength and it's super exciting, but taking up, uh, it's like a real job 
<laughs> it's, it's like, yeah. you know, not one of those things where you can rock up the train and everything's done for you. You just got to go and like run fast and run into people. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's different, but like something really enjoying. It's just like the next chapter, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Can so, I ask um, you a little bit about the product okay. then, Dom? Can I, yeah. what is, obviously, um, you were talking about your injuries and everything. What, what sort of, um, help does the, uh, the stuff that you're selling do to the body, you know, when you have these heavy knocks, does it help to recuperate, repair muscle or what does it actually do? Yeah. Well, um, we're not going too much into the science of it. Um, yeah. Like your, your body's, I like got, it's, it's called an endocannabinoid system, which is like your body's got a lot of systems like your cardiovascular system, but, um, basically, uh, the endocannabinoid system, um, helps that homeostasis of the body and and if if you have that then it helps you recover um, yeah. in, in a number of different ways like like a lot of studies show that it helps with like inflammation um like sleep is kind of one of the first things people always notice and and sleep is kind of key for recovery um yeah. a lot of people use it for like anxiety um like it's got it's got a lot of benefits um but yeah for me it was kind of i just use it like i started using it when i was injured um and then george would use it uh like to help with his sleep um yeah so that's kind of, that's kind of it really and then like i said we're branching into the vitamins which um like i think i think what vitamins do is kind of very widely um widely known but uh like vitamin d is kind of one of the key ones that we're pushing now like I think I think a fact a fact that we because the fact the reason we went into vitamins was we kind of looked at all the products that we've been taking our whole careers being like vitamin D's and multivitamins and the stuff that's actually in the products that you buy on the shelves is the hike is real real junk um, like they're actually filled like the fillers are like actual chalk and like like proper bulking agents that are like really quite terrible so we've like we formulated uh, using like few nutritionists and doctors like these real quality like vitamins that that hopefully help people please just before we yeah i'm interested obviously you've got to promote the product we can see that by the hoodie that you've chosen to come on with here do you think i could got a bigger (laughs) (laughs) we'll mention your website in a sec as well yeah i think we're all a lot more educated about substances than we were perhaps 10 20 years ago but i do wonder when, when you're trying to sell this product do you meet any trepidation from people when they hear the word cannabis and maybe you haven't put the research into it you have yeah. who then associate it with a harmful drug how do, how much time have you been to actually educating people that you know it, it's it's a perfectly harmless and beneficial drug yeah it's it's the, it's the key thing and definitely the, the 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 main barrier i think to a lot lot of people using like cbd products um and the, and the key messaging is that um yeah it comes from a cannabis plant but it doesn't get you high like we're just kind of isolating the the medicinal benefits of the plant um and look like I, th- I think i think over the next couple of years the market's going to grow like like quite rapidly because uh, there's a lot of regulation happening this year um to kind of stop like because there are there are some rogue products out there that you can't trust um but no you're absolutely right like education is kind of the first thing that, that we tried to do and, and and something that really needs to be pushed in the market 
people can find out more actually on your website four five cbd.co.uk so i had a good look at that this afternoon i'm gonna let bill have the final question yeah dom four five of course were you and george cruz's numbers on the field so it's quite yes. a snazzy title and very smart um hoodies as well <laughs> if you've got one large two medium and one extra large, one large and two medium, we'd be more than happy to help you to publicise it, OK? Yeah. Buy a pure West, mate. <laughs> you can work out which is which as well, Dom. You're never going to change. You're never going to change, and we love that. So yeah. thanks for coming on. It's blinking yeah. brilliant to yeah, have you back it, on, mate. It's really good. And I definitely... You are my, you're always my favourite Scarlet's player anyway, mainly because yeah, you come on radio shows so much. So <laughs> I, I call you a Scarlet's favourite. Over 90 games for the Scarlet's, more than 100 games for Bath and, and a stint. Uh, in Japan and Australia, plus you three Welsh caps. Uh, you've done the county proud, Dom. There's no doubt about yeah. that. Thank you very much for, for being with us. It's great to catch up with you um, yeah, this yeah. evening. Uh, and we'll keep that video on the Pure West Radio Facebook page. So you can have a look at that. Uh, that'll be up there a little bit later on this evening. More still to come as we head towards nine. Big thank you to Dom. You're listening to Pure West Sport. Over five million homes are at risk of flooding. Yet many people don't realise they're in danger. Even if you've never been flooded before, it can happen to you. Protect your family and home. Prepare, act, survive. Prepare a bag including medicines and insurance documents. Act by moving important items upstairs or as high as possible. Survive by listening to emergency services. Search what to do in a flood and sign up to flood warnings on gov.uk. Ah, enemy ahead. Fire. Where? I can't see them. Right there. Fire. Oh, man, you missed again. You need to get your eyes tested. Nah, mate. I ain't got the cash for that. You're in college. You can get an eye test for free. Really? From where? I'm with Mags Optics. They're in the Riverside Arcade in Halford West. Sick. I'll check it out. Eye tests are free for children under 16 and those aged 16 to 18 who are in full-time education. Glasses up to £85 are free for students aged 18 and under with an NHS voucher. Call Paul, Tina and the team on 01437 767744 or go to magsoptics.co.uk to book an appointment. Mags Optics are the proud sponsors of The Gaming Show on Pure West Radio. Oh, <laughs> Farm Ice Cream. Handmade delicious ice cream using the milk of their 350 free-range cows right here from their Pembrokeshire family farm. Come and try the extensive range of flavours which include traditional banana, blackberry, chocolate, coffee, ginger, lemon, Pembrokeshire honey, Pembrokeshire salted caramel, raspberry truffle, pistachio, strawberry and many more at their newly opened shop on the Riverside, Haverford West. They offer a range of sizes from small tubs and cones to eat on the go or insulated takeaway tubs for you to enjoy at your own pleasure. Loch Farm Ice Cream. This is Pure West Radio. For Pembrokeshire, from Pembrokeshire. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a special treat for you tonight. I'm going to call my friend Ali up here to, to sing to you ladies.
Charlie Mears and dance with me tonight on Pure West Radio. 10 to 9, it's Pure West Sports with G&G Builders. It's flown by as ever today. Uh, chaps, it was great to catch up with Dom Day, wasn't it? On top form. Um, and yeah, good to reflect on his rugby career. And, and also, it is interesting to hear a, a professional sports person talk about that transition when they have to retire to doing something different. And Dom's grasped that, which is really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah level level head and shoulders, isn't he? He's he's always had that, you know. And um, yeah, yeah and it, it is very good because, like you made the point, you see so many people who can fall by the wayside of professional sport. There's a big vacancy there, isn't it? You know, and and, mm. and he's someone who's adapted very well, and all the best to him. No doubt about it. We also need to send best wishes to another um, young Pembrokeshire sportsman who we spoke to last week on the show. Liam Cullen joined us. And you might remember Liam mentioned that he'd actually hurt his ankle the the previous game. Um, And we've got some news, haven't we, Um, Bill and Fraser and Gordon, just just on Liam. And and we need to send best wishes because actually um, his granddad, I think, told him to run it off. Um, It it was a bit more serious, wasn't it? So he's had to have surgery. His granddad admitted he was wrong today because he was telling me that uh, Liam's in Bond Street in London. He's had an operation this afternoon and he's come through that okay. So uh, his dad, Brian, is up there with him in a hotel. Swansea looking after him. So, yeah, great to see that he's on the way at least. Yeah, and it's life as a a young footballer, really, isn't it? He signed that new new contract, scored a couple of goals in the FA Cup and then picks up an injury. We send best wishes to Liam. But but Gordon as well, you probably think he's quite a few lessons there. It's desperately unlucky, Ben. It's desperately unlucky, but he's got youth on his side. He'll have the best surgeon putting his uh, yeah. ankle right. He'll have the right rehabilitation. And before too much longer, we'll see Cullen banging in the goal for the Swans again. I have no yeah. doubts about that. And we send our very best wishes, no doubt about that. Well, you might remember a couple of weeks ago, we, we started this conversation and didn't actually continue it. So we thought we'd finish what's been a busy show this evening. We've had some really, really good debate with Dom and, and about uh, cricket in Pembrokeshire. But we thought we'd finish off with the uh, discussion about good sporting autobiographies and some of our favourites because we we're talking about sports and documentaries which kick this off so uh, let's get some nominations Fraser kick us off well I'm, I'm glad that you're asking me this question now and not 10-15 years ago because I would have said Lance Armstrong not about the bike ah, didn't um, age well and didn't that, age well that it, one Fraser. it didn't age well that one <laughs> but um, it, to follow on from that the, the autobiography has always stuck with me since we, we came from Tyler Hamilton who's obviously Armstrong's teammate and, and really was the, one of the whistleblowers who, who exposed that era and um, I've got it here actually called The Secret Race now I, I, I've never been particularly endeared by Tyler Hamilton I think he too was a drug street throughout his whole life but then he fought it, he lied about it, he argued against it, and then eventually when he was skinned, he suddenly became a beacon of honesty, wrote a book, and was this heroic whistleblower. But it, it is quite a devastating read when you, you go into the depth, he goes into the depths of what they did and you know, the science they used. And, and it, it was, that's almost like a secret underworld going on in cycling. We all knew, we all knew by the time it came out with Armstrong, it was very likely something had been going on. We all knew it had been a dirty sport, but I, I never had any concept of just how much went on and just how secretive it was and just how callous it all was. So, you know, it's a book that has always stuck with me. That's a, a great nomination. Um, Bill, yourself. Well, if we're looking for the best ones that we, that I've ever read, I was hugely impressed when I read Sam Warburton's. Yeah, I mean, I've always thought good. he's a good guy. Fraser and I met him when St. David's went up to uh, the, the Vale and, and they trained with him with, and George North. Yeah. Uh, I thought his book was brilliant for, for someone who's just come out of rugby. Mm-hmm. I, I also enjoyed, in a strange way, Clive Woodward's. I mean, he's so opinionated. 
but then he's done the business, it, yeah. so you can't say. And I thought that was good. And and Pele's there was another one that was ghostwritten, obviously. But when you look at where he came from and what he did, incidentally, guys, the other one now who's become hugely popular since he came on our show, no other reason. Yes, Steve Wilkins. <laughs> Everybody yes. Yeah. I need to yeah. buy that. Yeah. Yeah, I already yeah. had a copy that he'd given me, but my wife has just bought that for both our daughters, and she's bought one for herself. So three copies in the candle, so just because she thinks he looks nice on the front cover. Another <laughs> one, and yeah, the, Luke Evans. I mean, so they they would be my uh, group of people who would who I've enjoyed or have done. Where Steve Wilkins is a very good read, boys. Bill, we should mention Phil Steele as well, who we've also yeah. had on the yeah. show. Yeah. There's another one I know yeah. you I know you've read, and 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 I want to get around to reading as well. Gordon, let's let's have some some nominations. Which which former Manchester United players are you going to put in? Uh, there's the only one Man United player best. If you've ever read that, <laughs> he was my hero. Yes, yeah, I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed that. He was great, great read. Um, obviously, Jonathan Davis, my age group. Um, what a read that is as well, because Jonathan went through a, a lot uh, as a young yeah. man. He lost his dad as a 14-year-old. I happened to be playing uh, against him at that particular time, and I was unaware of all that. And obviously he lost his wife as mm. well with three yeah. young children when he was in his rugby league days. And he, he, he still moved on, kept pushing, and became the best dual code rugby player ever, in my opinion. Um, but the one that really strikes me is um, Bob Champion, the, uh, mm. the jockey from years ago. He he tried in earnest to win the uh, the Grand National, uh, but uh, he had cancer, and he was riding a horse called Aldenity, who had uh, uh, an injury fetlock that threatened his career. And the pair of them joined forces in 1981 after both having the treatment and went on to win the Grand National. Yeah. What a dream that was. Well, and, you know, the adversity of all that. Could you imagine going through cancer treatment and thinking you'll never ride again? And also, again, riding a horse that was crocked. And, the, and they went on to win the Grand National. I thought that was a fantastic story. Yeah, some really good nominations there. Um, Coming Back to Me by Marcus Trescothic would, would be one for yeah. me. Uh, I think it's a really good read. NASA mm. saying Playing with Fire. This is a controversial one. Um, but... Uh, Kevin Peterson, uh, KP, Ooh. is a really good read because I think he's probably the best batsman I've seen play for England. And you can talk about the character of him and, and he had flaws, but he was also a genius, I thought, on the cricket pitch. And that's a good yeah. read. No Root scored more runs and in fewer games. but Who's a better about... batsman? For me, uh, Kevin Peterson's a better batsman. Phil Steele is a good read because it deals with his rugby, but also his depression. And yeah. A.P. McCoy, Tony McCoy is another one. Yeah. He was so fixated on his uh, winning that his family suffered all the way through. And the hardest book I've ever read was Richie McCaw. Mm. All he talks about is blinking, going, looking to get his pilot's license and where he flew and things in gliders. But there's some cracking books about. Fraser, are you going to yeah, come in? Definitely. Yeah, I have brought one more down with me here and i got no problem embarrassing myself. It's like show and tell this, isn't it? Yeah. From, from when I was a youngster because me and Bill once had a, a trip to the Welsh Wrestling Centre in Cardiff. Oh, yeah. oh um, no, not wrestling. That, that, that this is a great way to end the show. Yeah. But to my shock on the way up, I, I realised that... Um, Bill was a big Ultimate Warrior and Undertaker and WWF man. Oh, yeah. You, you and me and Bill talking <laughs> wrestling. So I have brought one down, especially for Bill. Brett the Hitman Hart. Oh, yeah, Brett yeah. Hart. And my favourite was the Ultimate Warrior. And uh, what was yes. the guy with the beard, bald head and the beard? 
Stone Cold Steve Austin, brilliant Steve wrestler. Steve Austin, yeah, I still yeah, like that. Yeah. Ben, I'm not getting involved of, in any wrestling, mate. A story I mean, of no yes. way. A story it's of like, It's like darts, it's not Boxing. a sport. Wrestling is definitely not a sport. Wrestling is not a sport. Sex, betrayal and revenge, sweat, steroids and duplicity. There's a lot more to wrestling <laughs> than the eyes. Hey, I'll freeze, I'll borrow that. You can. can you? It's actually, I'll say this quickly and I mean it, it's actually a fascinating read because it goes into the lives they lived on the road and there's some yeah. very harrowing stuff in there. So, so it is interesting. Yeah. But My, my mother-in-law has tried to convert me to wrestling. No chance. Not a hope. I mean, wrestling is not a sport, is it? Let, can we no. just be, can we all agree on that? I mean, well, you, I hope you, you all do agree on the, that. The yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, Gordon, you and I, we're not. We'll, we'll go and do I'm our going, own show. Mate. Yeah, we'll do our own show. <laughs> the wrestler, me and Bill bet, bet that day, Ollie Cole. You tell him it's not a sport. Aye, that different was a, type of wrestler. But and you, you better explain, Freeze. We were going because you were trying all the Commonwealth Games things. That's right. Yeah, I tried the, the very easy ones, but he was wrestling there, and you could see they were so strong, weren't they? They were. Oh. They they could flip you over whenever they wanted, and they were amazing. Wow. You went That's, to the Commonwealth Games, actually. Yeah. All right. Incredible. Wow. Um, we'll be let's back. Get, let's, uh, let's get yeah. to the real sport and talk about the Six Nations just before we go, because yeah. it starts this weekend. Yes, indeed. Exciting. Who's going to win well. the Six Nations, Bill Okay, Khan. let's go around England. the table. England. England for Bill. <laughs> Fraser? France. Gordon? Yeah, I gotta agree with Fraser, France. Uh, I'll I'll say England as well. Uh, we'll talk more about the Six Nations, I'm sure, on Saturday morning uh, on the show, and and we'll be back talking about that quite a bit. We've got another a uh, really good guest joining us next week. Some good news from Haken uh, next week, haven't we, Bill? Yeah, brilliant. They're all the boys here are delighted with that. We yeah. all know Haken. We're all good pals with them. They they bought their own pitch. What an achievement! It's fantastic for a small club like that. Yeah, indeed. So thank you very much indeed for listening and watching uh, all the videos. So Dom Day uh, and the first chat about cricket in the county will be on the, the Facebook page. Big Daddy Bill Khan, you're back again next week. <laughs> hey, that's enough. Uh, yeah, I look, forward, look forward to it. It's have what an I rest of in, this COVID, in this COVID time, it's a highlight to meet up with you guys. Well, and we have some fun. And, and we yeah. hope other people have fun. <laughs> the most <laughs> unlikely WWF fan I've ever come across. We've got to go. The Red Thread with I Tim Cooper is next on Pure West Radio. Unlike some other stations, we broadcast from Pembrokeshire to Pembrokeshire. This is Pure West Radio. <laughs> This is The Red Thread with Tim Cooper, where every song connects to the next. And welcome along to The Red Thread from Bruno Mars and the Lazy Song this hour to Steps and Last Thing on My Mind. It's a newer hour, which means songs 1990 up to the present day, and every song somehow connects to the next. Can you work out the links? Sometimes it's sensible, often it's not. Welcome along. Today I don't feel like doing anything 